Welcome to Club Management. I'm your host, DJ Shannon, and on this show, we talk to artists, DJs, and industry professionals on how they're changing their community through music. You can listen to the show on any platform like SoundCloud, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. Just type Club Management. And this is episode 58. Welcome back to another episode of the Club Management Podcast. We're 58 episodes strong. Um, And I can't believe all of the kind words and feedback that we got on the last episode with Kristen. So special. Um, And I thank you all for tuning in and sharing the episode. Um, I have been ridiculously busy with interviewing, (laughs) with writing and all kinds of things under the sun outside of the podcast. So excuse me for this two week hiatus. I really needed a mental health break to just kind of process all of these opportunities that are coming my way. Um, and some time to just kind of catch up on, on projects that were falling by the wayside, so to speak. So my apologies in advance, but I am back with the third and final installment um, of the mental health and wellness series and with two very powerful conversations with more artists from the scene here in NYC. And yeah, let's just jump into it because I have definitely had you guys waiting for a while. For the first half of the show, we chat to producer Derek Russo about his work in the mental health space and how he practices self-care through music and psychedelics. I've never tried them before, but so many of my friends have talked about feeling the sense of catharsis while taking shrooms and how much clarity they give you. So I was excited to hear Derek's experience using them. We both reflected on the lockdown period and how even though we're excited about life being back, there's something about having that sense of stillness that we both sort of miss. Check out this convo. I was just talking to a friend. Um, while the lockdown period last year was obviously really strange and stressful, there was a little bit of a moment for us to take a step back and kind of like think, you know, like, oh, yeah, yeah, we had so much time to think about what we wanted to do when we came out of that period. And it really allowed us some time to slow down. Did you feel that way as well? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I thought it was a real blessing, honestly, because mm-hmm. um, we never, we really never get to do that. Right. So, Yeah. Yeah, and I find myself at sometimes, um, you know, trying to implement some of those moments into my life now that things have kind of picked back up. So yeah, really taking time to spend time with my family or just taking time to separate the busy nine to five lifestyle and create a little pocket of time to dedicate to things that I like to do, whether that be doing this podcast, you know, listening to music. Um, I wasn't getting a chance to do a lot of that before, so it was a blessing in disguise, you know? Yeah, no, it really was. I think, I think had a big, I think that part had a big impact, um, on us, you know, those of us that were, you know, had, I guess had the sort of privilege maybe to, to not have to maybe hustle for a little bit and just Mm. like, just you know, I remember getting to the point where I was like, okay, I'm going to listen to an album. Like I'm going to put on a record and listen to it from start to finish every day. Right. And like, that was really nice, you know? And of course I didn't, I didn't completely stick to it, but I, I did that for a while. And so, yeah, that was just, um, I think it was a blessing that a lot of us kind of had, uh, affected us, you know, one of the positive parts of that 
the, the whole last two years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and um, thank you so much for replying to my message on Face, uh, not Facebook, but Twitter. And yeah. for the, all the listeners, you know, I kind of just put this uh, message up on Twitter asking folks if they knew people in the mental health space, wellness space. Uh, and Derek replied. So, you know, I actually got a chance before we jump into your work with uh, within the mental health space. I actually got a chance to listen to some of your music as well because you're a producer, um, and you make a lot of really great music. Oh my goodness! Oh, <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you. Appreciate yes. that. I was listening to the uh, the re-edits album, or not re-edits album, but the re-edits project that you came out with. Uh, yeah. That was in July of 2021, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's super killer. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Yeah, I've been, um, yeah, getting more serious about production over the last few years. So mm. um, I'm, thanks for listening. I'm uh, keep, keep, I'm keeping it, you know, trying to keep it moving forward, so. It's interesting how your music um, ties into this conversation. I think I saw you put up a tweet that said, um, a producer tip, bouncing a lot of audio will strengthen your meditation practice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which I thought was so cool. Can you tell us a little bit about that? <laughs> well, yeah. When, you know, um, I'm sure a lot of producers can, um, can sympathize with this. Um, I, I'll like working on a track and and I get to the point where I'm I'm like almost done and so I'm kind of like trying out different arrangements and you know I kind of bounce it you know you you kind of finish it you're ready to my next step is then you know bounce it to an mp3 put it on soundcloud and then I listen to it in various you know headphones car mm -hmm. or whatever so um any and then like oftentimes I do it before I have to run out the door. So I'm like bouncing it and then, you know, you have to wait. It takes a few minutes for the, for the software to do it. Right. Um, and if you make a mistake, which anything from, I forgot to like adjust the master volume. I forgot to turn a plugin back on, on the master channel. And then I, you kind of have to do it again. Yeah. Um, so what happens is like, as soon as I press, you know, prints or whatever, press enter, I immediately want, I want it to be immediately on my phone. I want to be immediately listening to it in a different environment, mm -hmm. but you have to wait. <laughs> and so you have to just sit there and wait because once it's done, then you can, you know, put it in SoundCloud. So mm -hmm. you can't do step two without step one being done. So yeah, it was just kind of funny because that day I think I, I sort of did that a couple times where I had to like immediately like go back in the project, switch one little thing, bounce it again and upload that back up to SoundCloud. So, yeah. you know, just a little like, okay, take, take a deep breath. You can't do anything. It's only like, a couple minutes anyway it's not even that big of a deal but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I thought, yeah I just thought that was so it was kind of like a beautiful analogy because I think mm. music can be used as a tool as a meditation tool you know um, for me in particular I find moments of catharsis and, and real moments of just like pure 
pleasure just listening to music or if I'm just playing around with ideas for a DJ mix or a set at home, like there's so much, I don't know, stillness that comes in that moment for me. So I yeah. like, oh my God, music is, is actually a, a kind of form of meditation, you know? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, when you're, that's interesting you say that because yeah, when you're, you know, when you're like doing a mix and you're kind of like, you start it mm-hmm. and then you're in it. And then at some point you just, you're in it and you stop thinking and that's kind of, you know, that's meditation, I guess. That's like, you know, a a form of it. And you're kind of, or, you know, people call it like the zone being in the zone, but it's that beautiful kind of feeling when you're, you don't realize like, you know, certain amount of time has gone by you've been completely immersed in whatever activity you are, you're into. So yeah that's a fact yeah it's really cool <laughs> so yeah i'm interested to hear about your work as a mental health technician am i right yeah um and actually like i just the position i was in just finished oh, wow. so yeah so um the i guess the first thing that i did was back in denver in uh 2018 i volunteered at the African Community Center there and there was um like an after school youth center basically mm-hmm. and um I brought it it was zero structure and I would I just brought in um my and I I, I was just trying to volunteer and I was speaking with the person who was in charge over there and then like the conversation just led into me I was going to teach these kids how to make beats. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like there was zero structure, but I ended up bringing in just like a small little setup. And, and that was my first time kind of like in the, that sort of space. Mm-hmm. And then um, earlier this year, I took a job with the company and I was mental health technician. So what that means, I was basically just um, like working with clients that were um, involved in like psychotherapy with the company I was with, Mm -hmm. I was kind of like extra help. These are clients that, you know, in addition to like weekly therapy meetings, um, you know, they kind of required some extra uh, Mm -hmm. one-on-one time. So that's kind of what I did. I would just meet with clients like, um, out in the world or at their home and just spend a few hours, you know? Wow. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty kind of like there's, that's really all there was to it. Yeah. No, but I mean, that's still, I like the idea of, you know, still helping people through whatever kind of, uh, trauma or, you know, life stressors that they might be going through. Mm. I mean, when you were working with your clients and this, again, if this is too personal, please feel free to, to decline the, decline answering. But, um, is there any like gradual change that you started to see when you were working with your clients, like from beginning to end, what was that process like? Yeah. I mean, I did see a little bit of that. Um, and it wasn't a lot of the work that I did because I'm not um, a licensed therapist or I had no formal, you know, training in it. 
So my work was just like, kind of like show up mm-hmm. is really what my work was about. And so it was, it, it, it was took an ad- some adjusting for me because I was kind of like looking to, you know, I, I don't know, like, you know, I wanted to help. Right. So I wanted to like, right. kind of jump in and, you know, just try to fix things. But then I quickly realized that like, that's not really how it works. Right. Um, especially with my position and, you know, sort of like a lot of what I did was more for comfort and mm-hmm. uh, I guess not for comfort, but to the, you know, to have the client feel comfortable and like, you know, do something that was keeping us, you know, focused and present, you know, it was like, like a, um, like puzzles or we'd go to the park and just walk around stuff like that. Um, so, and and in that sense, I did see some, some changes as far as just like the one-on-one, um, like chemistry between myself and the client. So that was kind of cool. Um, that it was a lot of learning on my end too, about what, what I thought it would be like and what it was actually like. Right. So. Um, something interesting that you had mentioned when we were initially chatting on Twitter, you had uh, mentioned this idea of using psychedelics as a way to potentially uh, be a mental health practice, which I thought was so interesting because that's not the first time that I've heard, um, you know, that idea before. Um, could you expound upon that a little bit more? Sure. Yeah. Um, I think at this point it's um i feel like the therapeutic benefits of psychedelics are kind of like hot hot topic right now um and you know obviously uh, um in the you know party space psychedelics are, are it's not uncommon mm-hmm. for people to consume them and um you know my experiences have paralleled what a lot of the research is showing is that psychedelics are really kind of tool for healing. And, um, you know, the club space can allow a sense, you know, a sort of freedom. Um, and then if you really, if, if you, if you have an experience with, with psychedelics in that space, you can really sort of, you can really heal. You can, you know, psychedelics kind of change your perspective and oftentimes, you know, you can sort of confront some parts of your, your life, your, either your past or your present, you know, my, like I said, like my experiences mirrored, mirrored all that too. I've had some profound sort of healing take place. Um, and it's like, yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty awesome. I mean, I think we all need that. Mm-hmm. See, I've always, I mean, I've always, you know, heard buddies of mine talk about how, how great it is and how they've really been able to, you know, fi- figure some things out with their trips. Yeah. Um, but I'm just, I'm always afraid of the, the possibility of seeing something I don't want to see. <laughs> I mean, I've never taken psychedelics before. I'm open to it, but I guess that's uh-huh. just my initial fear um, or what stopped me in the past from trying them. I mean, that's so valid too, because it it is, you know, it is a powerful 
it's a drug and it can be powerful. So mm -hmm. it's, it is, I mean, yeah, it, it really, requ I think it requires like, you know, a lot of things, a, a saying that people say is like set and setting. Right. And there's a, there's a few things that you can just do to, to sort of minimize the scariness. Um, it, well, maybe not minimize it, but put yourself in a, a surrounding where it's going to be okay. Mm. Um, and, and like really it's the setting and it's the person that you're with. Like mm. you should always do psychedelic, especially for the first few times with somebody or with somebody that's going to be your sort of your, your guardian for that, for the evening or for right. the session. And then, you know, that, yeah. Cause it can be scary. Um, especially like the drug is a, is like a trip and you kind of, you yeah. kind of come up on it and it, and it can be disorienting and confusing, especially for the first couple hours. So, um, is it more of like, like, for example, if you were to do a shroom trip, is it more of a physical high or like, like literally you can see things? <laughs> well, I, it, yeah, sometimes you can, it's not really that you see things. It's you see what can happen is you see like distortions of things. So you mm -hmm. see like, you see a pattern on a wall and then it's sort of like moving. Mm -hmm. And then when you're kind of deep into it, you can, you know, you kind of have a sense of like, you, you can kind of like almost choose what to see or may, sometimes you can't, you know, sometimes it's, you know, you can have a powerful trip where you, you, it doesn't feel like you're choosing what to see. It's like all this crazy things happening. Right. But a lot of times um, there's like, I guess it depends on your, experience level as well but it can be like when when these things are happening oftentimes at the same time your ego is has dissolved because mm. that's that's kind of what happens um on psychedelics and and so a lot of things you would normally worry about you just don't worry about and you're really you're really like it sounds cliche but you, you really are present in a way that you're really not able to be like, well, I shouldn't say not able to be, but yeah. it really does like keep you, you know, really dissolves your ego, keeps you present. And if everything's going well, you know, I mean, if you're, if you, if you, if you're feeling calm, then it's usually, it's kind of a, it's not really, it's more on the beautiful side of, of the equation mm -hmm. as far as like, wow look at look at like it becomes a metaphor for a lot of deeper understandings like mm -hmm. that you know that come with with the trip you know on the trip so yeah and again it's people have wildly different experiences but mm -hmm. a little bit of preparation definitely goes a long way and um mm -hmm. that can help you know and even if, and I guess before I was rambling on too much, but no, it's okay. <laughs> usually, I guess I feel like a lot of times, even if there are scary moments, the the end of the trip is is like rarely is there ever any regrets. 
Mm-hmm. And I say that pretty confidently from, you know, people I know as well, mm-hmm. because it's, it's like a true journey and there's always something that you learn at the end of it. Um, mm. And so, you know, I find it to be inspiring, you know, it's really inspiring the first few days after I kind of feel rejuvenated and it's, um, it's almost like the cobwebs have cleared. There's just parts of your brain that you don't access a lot. So you feel refreshed and lighter. Um, and all these things are really, you know, good. You know, they're, they're healthy. Of course. What's so, one thing that you learned during a trip about yourself? Um, um, I mean I've often I've often had um, and this is common too I've had like intense uh, guilt Mm. um, or yeah like um, a lot it's that doesn't have to be like heavy like uh, but it could be just the way I treated somebody you know, I can remember specifically a trip where I had kind of like realized that I was behaved incredibly selfishly mm. to somebody and it's intense. I mean, a lot, it's, it's not, it's, it's not um, often that, you know, like people will cry, like, you know, I will sort of like have a cry, but I don't mm. cry a lot, you know, but um, I would say that that's, you know, some, sometimes it's like a deep realization and other times, you know, so I, I'd say on the more positive end of it, um, you know, sometimes I, you know, you kind of, another common feeling that I've experienced that other people have is that you, you kind of slow down and with the deep breathing um, and the feeling of just being totally present, you kind of get this sense that like you really can do anything if you just kind of like like nothing is really out of reach Mm. um if you are able to just like you know stay in the present and just kind of like knock out one thing at a time and it sounds yeah that's kind of the best like way that I can express it I think no, that sounds beautiful. I mean, yeah. you definitely like made me curious about wanting to take. Yeah. Wanting to try. I just, I think I need to get over that initial fear, but um, I'm sure I will at some point. Um, but yeah, so when we were also talking, you said that you were a yogi for the last um, decade or so. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And um, that, I st- yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, uh, no, I, yeah, I started doing yoga seriously in 2010 and then, um, yeah, it just became such a crucial, um, practice for me. And I kind of held it strong for about seven or eight years. And then, um, where I was most of the time I was practicing like three days a week. Mm-hmm. Occasionally I would, you know, go less than that but it was pretty consistent and then um I started incorporating more uh like CrossFit uh, like about four or five years ago so but yeah yoga was a was a big um kind of game changer for me oh my goodness that is so beautiful yeah Yeah. Um, 
are you um pretty active in the New York club scene? Are you playing or were you touring at one point um as a producer? Um I've I've toured a little bit, but mm-hmm. um not really. I have a, like my story is kind of interesting because I moved to New York uh with about a year before COVID starts oh, wow. uh, started. So I kind of and I moved from Denver where I had been there for a long time and I had like was pretty I had pretty steady DJ work um and so I was basically gave up you know all my gigs and I kind of moved to New York because I needed I needed to move here for personal reasons and Mm -hmm. actually wanted to sort of push myself and with my with the art and my productions and um yeah, I was just, and it was time for a change anyway. So, mm-hmm. you know, I had to be realistic. And I, while I had some friends and uh, connections here in the music scene, like I wasn't expecting to DJ at all, you know, for a year or, you know, about. So I kind of set my expectations, expectations as such. Um, right. And then, yeah, and then about a year later, I remember I got, booking I was pretty excited to play I was going to be playing a public records like in the bar nice. uh yeah and then they but then like a few weeks later COVID came and that was it Aww. so so uh <laughs> you know so here we are two years later and I was so I'm kind of like I'm kind of hungry to DJ because I've um you know I haven't I've, I've been lucky to I have played a a handful of gigs in the last six months so yeah and but yeah I'm definitely looking to you know still keep producing and releasing stuff and and DJing and and um yeah I'm kind of like I'm still all about it it's still still in it <laughs> yeah no that's beautiful and you know yeah take your time um yeah. on, on the last uh the last interview that I did before this for this episode you know I was talking about that feeling of like sometimes when we go without having so many gigs like we feel like we're missing out or we feel like we're not doing enough but I'm trying yeah. Like revert my mind from thinking that way because it's really not true. It's just you know sometimes you have some months you have less gigs than others, or sometimes you really just need a moment to be still with yourself because DJing all the time can take a lot of energy. You know, absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's good. I, I, I need to. That's something that I need to remember a lot because mm-hmm. I make the mistake of. Well, I sometimes don't notice that I'm hinging a lot of my sense of well-being on like if I have a gig or not, because mm-hmm. that's kind of how I did used to do in the past. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with it not per se, but you know, it's a good thing. It's good to have extrinsic motivation for something like that. But yeah, you're right. It's it's all it's all it's often healthy to take a little step back or just take just like not a step forward for a little bit and and yeah so I've had to I've had to manage my expectations especially after I had a you know super fun gig and it's like I want another one well it just doesn't work like that (laughs) you know (laughs) there's so as you know like there's there's a lot of factors that go into you know getting booked for a gig and around in New York and so 
you know, it's just, um, you know, that's a, that's a good healthy thing to do, I think too. Yeah, like, like of course. Said. And yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I definitely am, have, have felt that way at some point too. Like, Oh man, you know, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm not doing as well as I think I am, <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's, I know. it's totally not true. That's the, that's the self-doubt kicking in and creeping in from time to time. Um, creeping but, in, yeah. You know, it feels good to be around. It. Um, you know, I, I have great family members, great friends, and this doing this podcast is a source of therapy. So when I hear my other creatives saying that sometimes they feel the same way, I'm like, okay, I'm not alone, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that's great. I don't think sometimes, yeah, I mean, I know I, I had, I need my friends to be like, hey just chill (laughs) like it's it's fine yeah you know so um and be easy thank god we have them i know because there's so much going on like around the world it is so important to just like when you feel that way to just again retreat back to the things that you like to do and surround yourself with people that support you because it's there's a lot you know a lot of stuff there's a lot yeah yeah you're right All right, we're coming out of the interview between me and Derek Russo. I really love that combo so much. Uh, And without further ado, let's jump into the next one. For the second half of the show, we chat with DJ, writer, and founder of Hangtime Magazine, Ebony Anderson-Brown, who performs under the moniker Flower Shark. Fresh off of her South by Southwest debut, Ebony had a lot to share about her mental health journey and how she's empowered by therapy which she's been doing faithfully over the last year or so. The busy DJ shared why she believes it's so important to advocate and fight for your self-care, even when it seems near impossible. No, I grew up in Queens, New York. Um, I'm here in the Bronx now, um, and it's mainly mainly because I went to City College, um, Mm -hmm. and that's actually where a lot of my journey has began. I mean, I was doing music, and photography, like all of the arts and theater, like since a very young age, but I think got really serious in 2015, 2014, 2015. Mm. Um, and so did my mental health, it started going down. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's kind of interesting how like it's, it's connected because I find that when I'm most creative, um, that's when I'm most like depressed or like I have the most to express, I should say. Right. Um, and with that, it was writing, it was DJing, um, it was photography. And that's what a lot of people know me for now. Like I started um, my own publication called Hangtime Magazine and you don't see as much writing as you see a lot of the digital media that I try to incorporate. Mm-hmm. Um, but doing that alone or with two other people can be a lot. So mm-hmm. it doesn't come out as often as like teams that have like a whole marketing department and a creative department and editorial department. Like, I don't have that. Um, Mm -hmm. But I feel like because of how professional I made it look at 17, 18, people just assume that it's like, oh, no, this is like up there with everyone. It's like, no. Yeah, I, I <laughs> it's not. It's not like a whole team behind you for Hangtime. Nah, it's me. <laughs> it's 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 funny because the people that do work with on it with me or people that have passed by, they like laugh because I give them credit where it's due. Because I love giving, I don't take, I, I hate when people do that to me because that's something I have to deal with. Mm-hmm. I'm like, nah, this person wrote it. Like your name is on the byline. Like I'm putting you out there. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, nah, shout out to Ebony. And I'm like, no, I didn't do shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, please, like, please take this away from me for this one moment. Um, 
because I want people to see like there are like there are people that are doing this with me um and it is a lot of work but at the same time it can be fun uh but it is a lot of work in addition to that is um the DJing like I go by Flower Shark been doing that just as long um and it's interesting because I feel like (laughs) I feel like I could have started producing then as well but I didn't really see it for me um it was it felt like it was very it seemed hard and like when I did do it it wasn't like the music that I wanted to produce it was like whatever other people wanted to make like they were helping me so like they were like, this is my beat. So you're just assisting me on this. It's like, mm. <laughs> like that's not what I want to do. But uh, yeah, and then like, yeah, photography, I think that's the only thing that I've been doing the longest. Uh, like I started that when I was, <laughs> I don't know, when I first was able to pick up a camera. Um, but then I'm sure you've heard of like, um, like that records and like Marvelito. Like he was like one of the first people that actually started paying me for like my photos. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the time, like a lot of people were just like shooting just just to shoot. And I brought my camera too, but they came for me was like, nah, let me just give you something, let me slide you something. Yeah. And believe it or not, that partnership is like now like a friendship, like to the end. <laughs> so it's it's pretty great. But yeah, no, like all of that really like started when I was 17. Um, which is interesting because I wasn't even allowed to be in clubs. <laughs> so I just found my way in. Uh, yeah no sneaking in uh I wasn't drinking as much because I wanted to make it seem like I wasn't a child but (laughs) (laughs) as were a lot of other people a lot of other people were underage at that time too so it's pretty cool that we're all kind of still doing it but of course and you just played it south by southwest right how was that I, I did oh my god that was so much fun uh it was I'm still like <laughs> it's still um like believable um and it's crazy how like videos and photos are still being like shared even now from it but I don't know it was overwhelming for sure uh and it also sh- showed me that that's something that I want to do like that's a goal that I want like I want to do more stuff like that or like travel beyond the tri-state for a gig <laughs> so like I was like oh this is dope but not yet. And then like playing for TT the artist and um and Dayburger. That was like that was fucking dope. That was unexpected. I knew I had to like play the music for Dayburger. But mm. then when she came up to me, it was like, yo, it's a surprise, the TT's here. And then I looked up to the crowd, I saw where all white. I'm like, oh stop. I almost fainted like on the stage. <laughs> I was like, stop, this is crazy. Uh, cause like I've never like formally met TT the artist. I have saw her perform at PS1 like years ago. Mm. And I was just like, and it was like she she's like such a great performer. She had these people like like wearing like pussy lips, like literal like movies. And I was just like, no, this is happening. <laughs> this is happening right now. So I was just like excited to just even stand on the same like platform as them. Um, but yeah, no, that was I, I definitely want to do more stuff like that. And it seems like it's happening. Um, I noticed that like. And it's the same with mental health. Like it, it, mental health, if you're consistent, like things just kind of just keep snowballing. Um, uh, and it sucks because you'll probably get like a little pebble in that snowball at some point. And I know you just gotta <laughs> gotta pick it out. <laughs> but yeah. overall, it's just a snowball effect of like good flurry things. And just like yeah, yeah, um. of course. I really love a full. I'm all for full circle moments. I feel like I've had that happen so many times. Even just coming back to New York and playing at clubs that I've always Yo. loved. Oh. 
you know, our respect, yes. unity. That's just like, you know, such a cool thing in and of itself. But you had mentioned something earlier when you were chatting and you were saying um, that you often turn to your creative outlets when you're feeling upset or you're feeling down. And that's something that I can personally like that's something that I always do when I'm yeah. in town, whether it's DJing, reading, or just watching, you know, listening to a podcast or something, those things really bring me back to my core when I'm feeling off, you know? Yeah. I'm thinking about going into sessions because I'm realizing oh. there's some things that, you know, I want to talk about and I want to be able to express and work through. Um, and you told me that you've been taking therapy sessions for a while now. It's going on like eight, nine years. Mm-hmm. I've been in therapy. Yeah, so it's, Jesus, that's a long time. Uh, and I'm still in it. And it's funny because it was like, I'm, because your financial stability is also impacts your mental health. And that was something that my therapist pointed out and it upset me and it still upsets me because the reality of it is I can't afford him right now. And I was able to afford him um, at a certain point, but now it's not so, it's just a struggle a stressor, matter of fact, on me to just continue to keep going to therapy. But that should tell you how important it is that I'm going, that I would struggle <laughs> to continue to keep seeing this man. Yeah. Um, but no, so when I first started seeing him, I wasn't, I was like hopping around. This is 2015. Um, and I'm open about my like history or whatever. I really don't give a shit. But yeah, I was like in a mental ward. I like had like a whole manic episode, try to kill myself. And something told me like, just go get help. So unfortunately I went to the cops. That wasn't, I learned later on that you should never go to the cops in that situation. But I went to the cops and uh, they put, they had brought me to Harlem hospital. Um, and then I was there, that was so uncomfortable cause I had just turned 18. And technically when you um, put yourself in, you voluntarily do that. And by that, I kind of give it up saying like, oh, like, I can't leave unless someone like, it's just some bullshit. And then there was um, health insurance stuff, issues as well. So they were just like, oh yeah, you can't leave. Mm. I'm not gonna go into what I had to deal with in there, but I was just happy when they finally did get my health insurance figured out. And I was moved to um, a facility at Columbia University. And Mm. that's when they told me that in order for me to get out, I had to see a therapist. Mm. Um, They diagnosed me with like bipolar. They tried to give me, to take, they try to get me to take all these medications. And I was personally am not like me being black and my family also just a long lineage of not thinking about our mental health as an actual like thing. It's all taboo. Um, I kind of had to make my own decision there, but like, all right, what is going to help me? Because right. um, my mom didn't really know what the answer was. Luckily, my aunt did, but I just wasn't, I wasn't sure who the fuck to talk to at the time. <laughs> like, I was just, it was just all so fucking new. I was like, I got to see someone. So my school, City College, they, like, assigned me with a therapist because they, like, obviously knew, like, what was going on. Like, I was missing, I missed, like, two, three weeks of class. All, mm-hmm. it was finals, too. So I, like, missed all my finals. So I had to let them know, like, where the fuck I was at. I was working at Old Navy at the time. Like, luckily, and I think that's the one thing that I was good at was like communicating with everyone what was happening. Mm. Because if I did it, I'm pretty sure that like my grades would have dropped. I wouldn't have finished school on time. I wouldn't have had a job when I left. Like when I got out, I still had a job. So I was able to pay, like, pay for therapy at the time. Yeah. And I was able to get myself out of the living situation that like kind of put me in that predicament. And it also like relationship shit. But 
yeah, all of that put me into the hospital and that told me to get a therapist. Um, unfortunately, I'm, I'm glad that that happened, but it sucks that all of those factors had to be put into place for me to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it first started, and I'm going to be honest with you, it was kind of awkward. <laughs> it was kind of really fucking awkward. Uh, and it's, that's something that I learned from other people who I like knew had a, who were in therapy for a while as well at the time. And it was nice at least talking to them about it. Like, is it going to be awkward? Like, are they going to keep asking these questions? It felt like there was a point where they weren't listening. Like I kept saying the same thing over and over and over again. But then also remembering that this is their job. They have several patients. <laughs> so I'm like, oh man, like they, so it's like, wait, this is Ebony. <laughs> what is her, what is her problem? <laughs> but like, obviously they're not saying that. Yeah. But in my head, I'm thinking, I'm like, they, I'm like, and that's something that I learned in therapy. I've learned so much in therapy and it's because I've been there for seven years and it's always, and it's, I, I learned that I have grown because how I handled situations in the past mm. is very different from how it is now. Right. And that's ultimately what I realized my problem or like my issues were is the way how I reacted to them. Mm. And that's not to say that the way I reacted to them was um, dismissible, but it's also, I understand it's like, you know what? I can forgive myself in that moment because I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I didn't know that situation. I've never been in anything in that like um, instance before in my life. Right. So it's fair that I would react that way. But moving forward, if that happens again, I know that I can react a certain, another way or I can go about it differently. Right. Um, and that's really, that's all that what therapy is. Um, and it's just providing you with tools to go through life because no one knows how to go through life. Yeah, and that's the thing that's we're all figuring it out. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. Um, I was just backing up a little bit. I was going to say that I think a lot of people's fears lie in, um, you know, pursuing therapy because they feel like maybe the person on the other end isn't genuinely really concerned mm-hmm. about their problems or they fear that the person on the other end may be judging them about their problems. Did you feel that way as well when you first began your therapy sessions? Oh, hell yeah. And I mean, it's even now, I don't have that feeling anymore, mm-hmm. but I think that's also like the therapist's job to be aware of that. Like, cause I feel like the flip, it, the flip, the switch can flip at any point. Yeah. Like, it is funny. Cause today I had a session and like, he even said, he's like, I feel like you think I'm coming at you or judging you. And I'm like, no, I don't think that at all. Actually. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm really just listening. Like I'm hearing you out, but that is something that I know that they're aware of, or at least a good therapist is aware of. Cause I have heard horror stories where people um actually it's very common for people to go through several therapists before they find the correct one luckily mm-hmm. I was only able to go through one and a half and I say half because there was one where I like didn't even give her the full chance like I just didn't I didn't show back up mm-hmm. but then I got like this little call it's like hey remember <laughs> to be an outpatient you got to do this and I'm like Fuck. all right let's do this so yeah yeah if you ever get admitted and like your like only deal is to get a therapist like just please do that (laughs) like they will literally be on you they will be on you but I don't think I hope no one has to go through that if they do I hope that they're at least in their teens because I wouldn't actually no I don't want that either just don't I don't know I don't know what I'm saying anymore (laughs) no because it was such a terrible time but it's like I also learned a lot about myself because you're just in straight solitude you're literally just sitting there with your thoughts. There's nothing that you can literally do. And it's crazy because um, it legit feels like a jail cell, like real shit. Mm. It really does. And the way how I saw things there, 
I can see how they can, can they can confuse someone who is mentally sick as someone that um, can harm people because that's how I felt like I felt like some of the people in there, in there could have harmed me and some of them wanted to harm me but the nurses there it's like it's like they know like the, the bureaucracy of it all they know that the system is fucked and like they've got these people in the wrong places and that's why I don't want people to go in there right. but the other hospital that, that I was at was good and I think that's where money and healthcare and health insurance comes in because remember I said like I wasn't able to able to switch until like they figured that shit out right and I'm so glad that they did because even when it was taking me in the ambulance the dudes in the ambulance was telling me they're like yo you have no idea how lucky you are going to this hospital like they got the best doctors and then they did they definitely did like and it's also when I learned that music was my way of communicating with other people. We had like music, this music therapy session. And it was the only thing that I looked forward to. The only thing, it was that. And then when they would show Donna Summers, they would just show Donna Summers like, like, like her old concerts, which was amazing. It was fucking amazing. Cause like all the people in there, like they would just be like, yes. And I'm like, oh God, like it was, it was so fucking amazing. But those are the two times where I was like actually interested in like going to groups with these people. Right. Um, and because everyone else there didn't really care, I was like, you know what? I'll choose the fucking music. So I was choosing mm. the music while I was in there and they were digging it. And I and it felt nice because these are like people of like all fucking ages. Like there was me who was 18, another girl who was 18, but the majority of the people in there were 40 plus because they considered me to be too, too adult to be with the other kids. Right. So they're like, no, you're going to be with these 40 year olds. Uh, but those 40 year olds was better than the 40 year olds in Harlem hospital. So much fucking better. Um, so much fucking better. Yeah. And I had a real bed at that place too. I, it's funny. I still have this hat that I made there. <laughs> like they had, like they had all, it's how you know that the art and music is good for the mind or good for mm-hmm. you, like people because they have all of these like arts and crafts, like all these music sessions yeah. there. So it's like, if you know that this is what helps the mind, why don't you just put this in like schools or leave it in schools or some shit? But mm-hmm. ever since 2020, my anxiety levels have been just like escalated to like, you know, crazy levels. Um, and it's funny, I was the last person that I was interviewing for this show, I was basically saying, now I find myself getting anxious about even performing sometimes because I'm like, all right. Mm do I have the right music? Am I playing for the right people? And it, it's like, sometimes those same sort of thoughts now are creeping into my art. And like, I don't uh-huh. know how to, you know, check that at, at some points or, or and not check it, but like deal with it or process it, you know? Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you said you like to write. I feel like that's the best way to do it. And I personally like dread moments like that because yeah. I spent like I I literally it's funny it just happened to me the other day I was putting off journaling for like four days and like you I was sick so I was physically like yo I really can't write but like once I finally had like the energy to do it I kept telling myself like no what's happening is really not that important I can figure it out on my own I don't need to write this down right and like the moment I just sat down I was like all right let me just write literally filled up like seven pages <laughs> seven pages just kept going and that honestly might be helpful because at least there you can identify what the issue issue is. Like you could just be rambling too. Um, and how I can find, like, kind of kind of figure out or like indicate what's 
really going on in my mind or what's really bugging me is when I see things that are repeated I'm like okay this is something that I have to work on because if it's the same like I'm writing the same sentence over and over again I'm like all right I see you I got you (laughs) um but I definitely see writing helping there and also silence believe it or not um and I actually like it a lot more since I started DJing yeah. a lot because a lot of people don't really think about I mean I DJ differently I'd be planning like days before or I try to just listening to music creating playlists like several playlists at a time yeah. but I don't know about you I know I do that but there's times where I just want complete silence I'm listening to too much music yeah. or especially like even when um the music that is being sent to me to the magazine I get like 60 like 60 emails a day for just one email with just straight music Wow. And I'm just like, and it's music from all over. So it's not even like the same type of music. So I'm like, you know, I just want complete fucking silence. And that usually be the best times. Yeah. And Or when you're in a shower and you're just like, wow, that argument could have gone better. <laughs> but don't <laughs> root a minute in it because that is just, I feel like moderation is also a good key. Because it's like, mm-hmm. you don't want to do too much of something because then you start feeling like a sloth, I guess, mm-hmm. or not the opposite of it. Yeah, but. no, that's a fact. I, um, there was a month, I think it was like in March, uh, that I played like every weekend. Mm-hmm. And at the end of March, I was like, yo, I can't even, <laughs> my eyelashes are not even on anymore. I'm dead. I'm so that's your eyelashes. Oh my God. <laughs> yo, no, but that's real. Like there's moderate, we have to take moderation in everything that we do. Yeah. Um, and there is such thing as like creative fatigue. That's a word that I learned in advertising mm-hmm. and media, but I believe that exists in real life too. There's moments where I feel like I'm consuming too much TV and I just don't want to watch it. Or if I'm listening to too much podcast, I got to stop. Or and like just dedicate that time to something else. Um, And I think that's what I like about being a creative or an artist. I don't say that I'm just a DJ or just one thing because I do so much. Um, And it gives me the liberty to try something else or do something that will expand my mind or (laughs) wherever I need to go. A lot of times I'm just trying to escape. I think that's that's really one good way of doing it, um, being creative. Yeah, that's a fact. Um, but yeah, rest, reflection is so key. And yeah, the pandemic really taught me to prioritize that and really schedule it in my life because before it, I was just doing a lot. And mm-hmm. I didn't know what I was doing when I really sat down and thought about it. Um, but now taking that time out on the weekends to spend time with my family or just hang out with friends, those things mean just as much, um, you know, as, you know, me pouring myself into my art or my work. Um, so I'm definitely down with that. Um, I actually just started taking kickboxing lessons. Yes. It's been a great way to get some, aggression yes! out. you know what I'm saying? That anxiety out. Are you doing anything like uh, fitness wise that helps you as well? I mean, I do it on my, I've missed kickboxing. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. But I don't have the, funds for it and I can't I don't trust myself doing the videos at home because I need (laughs) someone to tell me like my forms are good because I don't want to pull a muscle and I learned that you can pull a muscle shit you can pull a muscle in yoga and Pilates (laughs) so but those so I I do like exercises what is it um Rose Joe I love her she's so fucking amazing (laughs) and this other um physical she's she's new at this but she's like a new professional trainer and I like did this advertising program with her um Mm. I'll send you it later I'm like blanking on 
her name by her. Her name is Dijanae. Uh, uh, yeah, Dijanae. But I got to send you like her actual stuff. But I like spent my little $20 on her little um, get fit with me. And real shit, yo, that's, it helps. It really helps. Like you have to like move. Um, even if it's just a walk in a park or around the block. Like, yeah. like I, and it's cause, and it's funny. I was talking about this with some of my like, coworkers because um like when we talk about this all the time like how we can like just help ourselves and like um our own mental health because like you know we're in, still in the middle of a pandemic there's things that we're still locked up in the house sometimes so we give ourselves give each other advice and a lot of it is exercising and then I remember bringing up I'm like yo this is stuff I did when I was in school like for gym mm-hmm. right. and I'm like I feel like if they had told us the importance like the they kind of, they, they went over it. They didn't like, they braised over it. They did not go into detail. Like, you know, this is your body. You have one body. Like you should really take care of it. They were just like, no, you want this grade? Go back to the locker room. Like, where are your sweatpants? And it's like, wait, no, like you need to give us like, car- like concrete evidence why this makes sense. Right. Um, I feel like kids today are so fucking lucky because they have all these like accounts on Instagram and TikTok telling them like, you know, you should probably care for your mental health or your physical health because this is how it will make your life. You can live longer or some shit like that. Right. We didn't have that. They just say we had to do it. And it was because. That was the answer because, and I'm just like, this is not a real answer, but seeing <laughs> that now I'm like, shit, I should have like, at least listened to the, to the, I don't know. I don't even know what kind of motivation they were spewing. They were just telling us the facts and the facts was not enough, clearly. Cause <laughs> his was obese. So obese in America or like just sick, like anorexic, like, we're not okay. We're sick. No, we're a sick country. We're yeah. a sick country. <laughs> and and sick I, country. you know what I hate? I hate this idea of like hustle culture. That's something that also I awful. To, I'm talking about. Absolutely that. awful. Absolutely awful. And okay, yeah, you have all this this nation of obese people and people that are going through so much economically, socioeconomically. And how are you going to be preaching about hustling when motherfuckers kill me that don't got access to resources? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Or like their form of hustle. People forget the privilege that they have or like the resources that they have that other people don't. Yeah. Like, and it's crazy. Like they'll try to make up some bullshit. Like, oh, well, like, you know, I came from the hood and was like, did you really? I think you were across the street where you still had a picket fence. Mm. So I was, so I try not. And that's another thing with hustle culture is like, it's always a compare and contrast. And we all are like, we do that all the time. We're like always judgmental. We're always comparing ourselves to what other people are doing, our successes, even our downfalls. Mm. But, and that's why I don't like hustle culture. And it's crazy because I used to work for a company that whose founder was strictly like all hustle. Mm. And I felt that was literally like killing me. Thank God they had fired me because I probably wouldn't have survived. <laughs> I didn't survive. Like, it was because like their like their form of hustle is what helps frat bros mm. or like the five guys. It's not the same hustle that people who are who come from nothing have to mm. do. There's a different type of hustle that we see and that they see. Theirs is like kind of falls in line with scamming people. Real shit. And I'm just like, nah, <laughs> we're trying to just live. Right. And once we are able to live, we want to thrive. And I think that's where people like are stuck at. Like mm. once they start living or getting that 
money or getting the resources to live, they forget that they can continue to keep going. They get stuck here. And that's why I feel like I'm at now. I'm like, yo, I'm barely making enough just to live. And I want to go beyond that. And people Mm -hmm. see me right now. They're like, oh my God, like you're doing so well. Or like, why are you complaining? And it's like, because this is not where I want to be. This might be where you want to be, but I'm not trying to be like, I still got other shit that I got to do. It's, 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 it's really like the hustle is never ending. And it's crazy because in music, you'll see shit family. My family members were part of like the, um, the hip hop generation. All of our family members are part of that. And you see how some of them are still hustling, still hustling. (laughs) And I'm just like, that's kind of sad. Like, I don't want to keep doing that, but you can tell the difference between from those that are, and I don't want to, I don't really want to do, say this, but I'm not going to say no name, but you can tell the people from the old heads that be in the front of the DJ booth, that be going mad hard from the mm-hmm. ones that be in the back, that be very subtle and just understand the love for what's going on. Mm-hmm. There's two different types of hustle. The hustle where they're just like, you know, I love the art. I want to continue seeing the people around me grow versus the people that just want to be at the front all the fucking time. You don't need to be at the front. There's no, like, honestly, you should be able to make a way for other people, not always trying to put yourself. And it's the same with gatekeeping. It's like, that's that yeah. that's another form of hustle where it's like, oh, we have to get to top. We have to have our name on the highest SEO and this. And it's like, yo, honestly, do you really want to do that? Or do you just want to be able to give the information or the resources that people need to keep, to keep going? Because yeah. right now you're just hoarding all this information for yourself mm. or for whoever's in your squad. And that's not fair because, again, that's not that's not a distribution of wealth that you're not giving anything to anyone you're keeping that shit to yourself right. um well wow, i just like went off tangent but yeah it goes deep yo. it goes so fucking deep yo. it goes no, yeah so deep. you know it does it does especially what you said about like us feeling like sometimes we judge ourselves against other people which is like a big reason why i am like stepping back slowly from social media you know yeah especially during the pandemic i found myself on there all the time and at that time I was doing stuff on Twitch and I just Mm. told um, a previous um, interview that I felt like at one point I was like well if I'm not on there people are not going to know what I'm doing you know like I gotta know that I'm doing something and I I just had this thing this moment click in my head I was like why am I thinking about that like people don't care what I'm doing (laughs) yeah they really don't and Yeah, they don't. <laughs> they really, that's ultimate. It really don't. They do. Um, it came to a point where I only like trusted people that would text me. Um, but then it came to a point where I'm like, damn, I can't trust these people either. So honestly, I just trust myself. <laughs> I just trust myself. Um, and compare how I felt. That's actually a new thing I noticed. Um and it might sound a little narcissistic, but I stopped watching other people's stories and I just watch my own. Um, literally, I create like these stories and I literally just watch my own fucking stories. I don't watch anyone else. If I watch other people's stories and I like, like you see me, it's because I'm like literally watching it. I'm like, oh yeah, you got to do story. But I don't watch stories unless it's mine. I don't look at my own Instagram stuff unless it's mine. I look at my own Twitter stuff unless it's mine. And the, only, and the reason for that is because I kind of just analyze, especially my Twitter now, because before, like, even last year, I was just, like, angry all the time. And I didn't want to p- be perceived as that. Like, I knew what I was saying was right. And, like, I knew what the fuck I was talking about. But at the same time, it's like, like, you were saying, like, yo, who am I talking to? <laughs> like, who the fuck am I talking to? <laughs> like, I could be talking to very few people. And, like, people did hear me. But at the same time, those people are not going to do anything. And then I had to ask myself, well, is there something I want to do? 
And yes, there is, but is it going to make a difference that's going to make me happy? Mm. Probably not. And I don't want to find out because for me to figure out that answer, I'm going to have to do something I'm not comfortable with. Mm. So, and I want to use that energy towards something that I know that's going to be beneficial to me. So Mm. in, in that case, it was looking at my own social media and like, well, how does this make me feel? Literally, like Marie Kondo, that shit. Like, does it spark joy? No. All right. Goodbye. <laughs> like, that's really like, how you look at it. Like, if you were, t- and I ha- like, and it's funny because people would say, like, you remember when like social media first got really big, at least for Facebook. Yeah. People were like, oh, jobs are going to look at it when you apply. I don't even think about it that anymore. I'm like, yo, if my child or my future grandchild is to see this, right. like years later, would I want them to see this? And if I, if they did, do I want to explain what was going on at that moment? <laughs> nah, all right, cool. We're going to do this. Oh so my that's, God. Imagine showing your grandchildren your tweets. Some, no, there, and that's the thing. There's some tweets where I'm like, yo, this is going to hit. Even if it got zero <laughs> likes, I know it's going to hit. I'm like, it's going to hit. But everything else, like the whole sadness. Cause like, if I think of I'm like, yo, do I want to keep living in the sadness? Something that just happened the other week too. I'm yeah. like, damn, this shit is mad petty. And I thought about it. I'm like, if I continue to let it drag out, it will take over me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and honestly, like, I'm the only person that knows that this person was petty. Let it go. I'm like, I'll take this L. <laughs> like, and that's really bad. You have to like look at things now. It's like, you know, I'll just take the fucking L. Yeah. I'll just take it. Um, yeah. And that's how we have to look at it, like our failures too. It's like, yo, mm-hmm. I failed. My business, like it's moving so slow. And I literally look, I'm like, yo, this is a failure. How can I make this better? And that's the only way we can grow. Um, Nothing. Owning a business has helped me understand that actually. And that's something that I talk to my therapist about. Like we talk about everything, like anything that I do, any new project I talk to him about. I'm like, Hey, do you think this is a good decision? He'll say it's bad and I'll still do it. And then we'll talk about what went wrong. (laughs) It usually starts off. Well, you didn't listen. I'm like, you're right. (laughs) I wanted to try it though. So, but yeah, no. I, yeah, I, I would I would suggest or making a finsta and just only talking to like five people that also helped me too. Mm. Um, and and also it's funny that's I think that's where like looking at my own stories came into play because mm. it came to a point like once you're the only person looking at your Instagram account, it's like who are you really talking to? So I'm mm. like, all right, I'm talking to myself at this point, and yeah. I've noticed that I've enjoyed social media more. And it's crazy because the times when I do go on rants, it's usually when some a person I don't talk to anymore infiltrates that. And I'm like, ah, I'm like, no, I'm like, you you come into my happy place. Like you really have to tailor your social media um to be like what you want. And it sucks when you're an artist because it kind of blends into work and your personal life. Yeah. And that's why I like suggest like, yo, if you can like make it this or even just like a private account that no one else sees, where you can yeah. just literally be yourself. Or not not post at all. Matter of fact, like just like I don't want to post anything. I don't want to be on here. Um, I guess having like that one artist account would help. But if it's your artist account, you have to put boundaries there. Like, look, I won't open this app. Use stuff like Buffer or Hootsuite that like lets you know that this is a business. Right. Um, Because it will start. It'll start like you look at other like people like damn like why didn't I get this or how come I didn't get to go here or like damn like you're just just a regular feeling of FOMO. You're like, oh, why am mm. I sick? Why did I miss this? So I was like, like even basic shit like that. It's like kind of, or like I'll tell myself, like if I know I can't go somewhere, I'm like, don't go on social media today. Don't go on Instagram. Yeah. You know, everyone's going to be there. You're going to be sad. Don't go. Like, don't do it. 
Yeah, um, that's a fact. I've actually been planning when I go on. So maybe in the yes. morning I give myself I give myself some time to check, and then in the evening after I'm done with my work, then I can go pop on and see what people yep. are doing. But I try not to spend all day on there, you know. Yeah, it's crazy because like a lot of the work that I do, I'm always on social media. So like I and I think that's why I've created so many boundaries for myself, because if I'm not if I'm not on my own personal account, I'm on someone else's. Mm. That's what's crazy. It's like I literally see shit like for so many different views. I'm like, yo, I'm like and I so it's crazy. I'm feeling like I got away from something and I, like I log in to help some other brand. I'm like damn, <laughs> y'all here too, it's crazy, go over there, but it's really like, it's, it's, yo, people's, yo, people don't understand, like, you can see a lot of shit, um, when you work, outside, not even outside of music, but just, like, outside of nightlife, right. um, like, there's, because there's still marketing, there's still, like, the promotions aspects, there's still the partnerships, like, people forget that there's this other side to it, um, and even doing media publishing, like I, there's people who I know that like don't even understand nightlife, but like they help the other side of it. And I'm just like, mm. do you even realize what's going on over here? And they're like, no, we've just liked the music. And low key, I kind of want to be like that. I'm just mm. like, just enjoy the music and not know about all the, the other disasters that are happening. But <laughs> you're like, yo, cause it's great. Yeah. I really, it's, it's so crazy. Like, it's I don't really I don't really know because it's even like the alcohol like Hennessy there would be brand partnerships with like um these big celebrities I'm like yo they be even they be having beef and the people that work for like the brands don't know shit mm. it's because they're just so like detached from it but you know what that's because it's a job it's a job for them that's what we mm. have to remember for a lot of people that's something that I had to tell myself and it kind of sucked because People who I thought were my friends, because like I said, I started this when I was 17. Mm-hmm. A lot of these people I met, I was literally, I was a fucking teenager. So in my head, there was no business. Just I did this as a, as fun, as art. And everyone who I started it, who I first met were my friends. And then for a lot of them to kind of just dismiss that, I don't know. It's like people just change, real shit. People change. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just had to learn that the hard way. Yeah. That, that sucks too. A lot of people don't realize that, like the the actions that they do can really impact other people and not just like them physically, but literally mentally. Like people yeah. have no idea the shit that goes on in the back of the heads. Something so simple you say, or even saying like, oh, like you don't matter to me. Or like if saying, I don't care. That could go long, like that could go far for someone. That could really, really hurt some people. Up. Yeah, like, and it can like, God forbid it be a terrible day for them. They can literally end their lives. Like the, you, you don't know. And it's crazy because a lot of the people a lot of people's favorites will sit there and talk about mental health or like act as if they have a platform, but real shit. I'm pretty sure they've never spoken to someone about any of those issues or they have no real grasp or real like understanding of what other people are going to like, they have their own experiences and that's fine. You can have your own experiences, but you cannot speak for someone else, especially if you don't have an understanding of what they're going through. Mm. Um, And that's with everything. Something I learned even in high school, I learned that shit in high school. Like there was a, a friend of mine, he had something terrible happen to his family, something awful. And I had just, I don't know what I did. I just asked a simple question, just like being a, being a fangirl, essentially. I had just a crush on this kid, but he just flipped one day and was just like, yo, like, you don't know what the fuck I'm going through. I'm just like, damn, 
you're right. I don't know what the fuck you're going mm. through. And like considering what happened, because like it's not like no one knew. We all knew, and that was the teacher's fault. But and it was mm. on the news too. We just all knew. We're just like, yo, literally shit, like people's lives can just turn around real quick. And like you just have to hold hold on close to the things around you. And mm. I had to learn that so many times throughout my life. Like every, I feel like every like big moment was something like that and I'm just like damn you the one like can I get a kid can a kid get a break I feel like that yo so I feel like a lot of people especially like women of color always feeling like that we gotta carry so much burden or we just think about things way more than other people do we're just like yo like how does this impact our family the fact that like a lot of our health is um is is overlooked because a lot of doctors don't even want to like tend to us like that shit's fucking crazy i've been looking into that too and that's something that um i wanted to change with the magazine because and that's something we were looking in a couple years ago everything is funny everything that we end up doing is something we spoke about like two three years ago (laughs) it just like it it takes time it takes time and it's a process but um something we wanted to do was kind of go into the health route um and because all of us, we have our own issues, but I, my brother is autistic. My mom is technically disabled. And then I have all this other shit. And now I'm like, and she's telling me, she's like, oh yeah, you might have ADHD too. And I'm like, this is not helping. Oh, like, this isn't, honestly, it makes sense, the ADHD, but I don't, I don't, I don't take self-diagnoses. I like to get an actual doctor to tell me. Um, nice. So that is funny. Before I got onto this, I was like looking up like where I can get like a free diagnosis. I have no idea where to yeah, fucking you. I mean, you, it is a, it's a, it's a challenge in and of itself to advocate for yourself, especially when you know that there might be something going on or, you know, you might need help. You have been very open about seeking help for yourself, looking for resources, which is just, I applaud you. That is so amazing. Yeah. I mean, cause there's no one else. <laughs> there's no, no one else. It's really, there's no one else. I mean, my mom, I have my mom when it comes to art um, and to life, but when it comes to mental health, I feel like there's times where she's coming to me for that information. Um, and that comes with just like the whole breaking generational curses as well. Like there's things that people, like our families have been dealing with for generations. And, and like I said before, like there was things that I started noticing when I turned 22, I'm like, damn, mom, you was doing this. And it's like, no, you didn't have to do it this way. Or like, I don't want to tell her that. I don't want to tell her that she didn't have to do it. It's something I kind of keep to myself. Like, right. I, I know that I can tell my child there's another way of doing this um, because there is. And it's it sucks because she was young. And that's a lot of times it's because they were just hella fucking young. They were just right. so young. And no one was there to tell them anything. Um, and their parents was young trying to figure shit out. Like everyone was just trying to figure shit out. And now we're at the point where we want to wait because we saw we're like the first ones really breaking that curse. We're coming out of the interview between me and Ebony Anderson Brown of Hangtime Magazine. Both of these conversations were so special to me. Um, you know, I think I learned throughout the series that there is such thing as doing too much (laughs) and sometimes you've got to take stuff off of your plate when things get too much um which is why I had to say no to the podcast for like two weeks but I will tell you I was recording episodes while I was away so 
it wasn't all done out of just like relaxing. I was actually working. <laughs> so maybe I didn't really take time off. But for me, it gave me some time to uh, restructure and prioritize some projects that I had been putting um, on the sideline because, you know, there was just so much going on with, with work. Um, and yeah, you know, I'm, I'm learning to prioritize my self care and say no when I feel like there's way too much on my plate. Um, you know, another really great thing that I took from this series was, um, how it's okay to like not want to be in the fray all the time and not want to be, um, social all the time. Maybe you need time to withdraw and take, um, you know, a little bit of a break from social life. Um, and it could be hard to do, especially being in music and entertainment, but I think it's so necessary to, um, spend a lot of time with yourself so that you can pour back into the things that you love to do. So yeah, this is it. This was the last one. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, we're coming back the week after next and we're changing the date y'all. Fridays is going to be the new release date for the podcast. It just works easier for me because I'm off <laughs> and it will give me more time to produce the episodes. I think I was squeezing so much into my work week that it was becoming a little bit um, challenging for me to get these episodes out in a timely fashion for you all. So Fridays will be the new release date. Um, and I'm excited to share what we've got coming up next. I think I teased it a little bit on Twitter, but we are going to be focusing on some music business etiquette for the next series. And yo, I'm going to need my NPR deal after this period, <laughs> period. Okay. Uh, cause we've got a lot of heavy hitters that have, um, you know, graciously sat down with me and, uh, shared their two cents about this topic. So get those pens, pads ready because it's definitely going to be, um, we're in session, honey, with this next series that's coming up. All right. So peace, love, God bless until next time.